so I have an Asian heritage and, and I found this infuriating uh, when <laughs> I was a child growing up. So Brilliant. now this is just my personal experience, but literally every Sri Lankan family house that I went to, or including my relatives that have known me for most of my life, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and my parents who kind of also known me, you know, quite a long time. They would, they, I always found that there was an ongoing offer for tea right like <laughs> would you like a cup of tea Brilliant. right now I hate tea I oh, really hate it I really amazing. hate it right I've never seen and you so drink a cup of tea every time the answer is no all right oh but I they love keep it asking okay. they keep asking and and it's like but would you and not more and more than just once like me saying I didn't want one was yeah. not uh, apparently of a sufficient answer because they yeah. kept oh, as if as if I'd made a mistake as if as if <laughs> I now I know what's behind this because it, there's this whole thing about not just Asian people obviously but um definitely within that you know there's this big tea drinking thing that a lot of people drink tea I get that right but it's like are you going to say well everybody drinks tea therefore you must drink tea is that what you're really saying because that's this is going to be a bit of a waste of time because I'm not you know I was a, a bit of a stubborn little kid so that intrigues me because when you break down what is said as opposed to what yeah, yeah, is yeah. meant yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. very different so I just I'm not saying this is always the case I'm just saying so, sometimes what people say is not what they mean and yeah. I'm just further arguing for people to please say what you really mean rather than not what you mean because it will make the world a less confusing place <laughs> So, so excited and grateful to have the main man, my really good mate, Prana Fernando here in conversation. And a big up, super thank you to you for inspiring me and inviting me to start a podcast. So thank you to you and such a warm welcome on this cold day. Warm welcome. Oh, thanks so much, for that, Maria. And well, you know, I'm just very happy you've been doing this podcast. And, you know, I just think people really, the kind of things that you're discussing, a lot of people are thinking about and, and matter. And I've, sh- I've shared your uh, podcast quite widely. So I'm really happy to be doing that and happy to be here. So <laughs> thank you so much. I'm so excited that you're here. And I really personally have benefited from your unique perspective on communication as your mate over lots of lovely coffee. But now to the world at large, I'd like to ask you from your unique perspective, how do you see communication? Unpredictable in in this time. I'm very aware from my own experience and from what I read about others' experiences that number one, it seems like a lot of people are afraid to communicate. I don't feel that way myself, but I'm very aware in my conversations with different people. I also have a political discussion group that I sort of help create uh, called Los Politicos with a, a group of friends. And um, that's been really interesting because how when you, and the text medium is obviously a bit odd sometimes because people don't necessarily get your full communication when you do that. And yet, People are so busy these days, it seems they don't have time to meet up for real. So in our rush to do everything, we are 
maybe sometimes many of us are not prioritizing good communication, i.e. being there in person. And then on top of that, because of, let's say, the quite fraught times we're in, that people are challenging ways of saying and doing things and looking at things. So so the very, I think people are, are very, a lot of people are aware and feeling that, uh, for example, when they say something, they worry that it's, could be taken the wrong way or misinterpreted. And I'm, I'm very aware um, that some people I know are reluctant even to communicate and let alone say what they really feel. And I'm really striving myself as best I can to try and um, communicate what I feel and, and to do it honestly. And But I'm, I'm aware that, uh, or it feels to me that that is not the priority for many people. Wow. That, my, really, that's my perspective. <laughs> really feeling you, not literally, because I'm on the other side of the Zoom, but I really appreciate what you're saying. I'm just going to replay back the pieces that spiked out for me, that popped out. So that communication has become a bit of, and I'm going to use a metaphor, a little bit of an endangered species or a, a getting close to an endangered species because potentially people are very busy and in-person communication is less available and with written or text communication, much meaning or intention can be misunderstood, lost in translation, miscommunication is easier to happen, to have. And what I pull out from what I hear you say is that you are intentional about communicating and being that change possibly and showing up. Did mm. I understand that? Yeah. And I, I think with all of that said, for me, doesn't prevent me from trying, mm. trying. And, and definitely, I think, yeah, there's those are risks of being misunderstood or offending. And I do understand that. But what worries more is people being, for fear of all those, people censoring themselves, muting themselves or just not communicating what's important to them and and I worry about a world where people are not expressing you know le expressing less and less what they really mean and feel I mean um I, my feeling is that I'm not sure that helps create a world where we where we can help each other and the irony is that people are, are worried about what other people think but if, if people are less inclined to actually say anything then we're not you know it's you're not even going to have that worry or perhaps it be understood. I feel very strongly about, however imperfectly, all of us trying to communicate as best we can, uh, honestly, knowing that we might make mistakes, knowing that we run the risk of offending and, and to just keep doing that as best we can rather than, oh, I'm not going to say anything or I'm not going to say what I really think. I know this is, um, yeah, I, that's, that's not <laughs> the way I would advocate for me anyway. So. Mm. When you were saying that, when I was listening to you just now, my heart just hurt. My heart hurt hearing, and also that being my own experience as well, that people are not expressing themselves, in my experience, honestly, authentically, or at all, even at all. And people in my experience, as I hear you say, are censoring themselves, are muting themselves 
breaks my it really hurts me actually physically hurts my chest because my vision of a better world like you say is where people are opening their mouth and closing it and saying words or sounds but just that the spirit of the human being of spirit of soul is speaking is expressing itself however and even if I may cause offense or I may cause misunderstanding I personally would rather that you communicated what you felt and what was true for you what was your experience all day every day I'd rather you did that and if that offends me well that's something for me to look at that's okay too I'd rather that you communicated and it, I'm just wondering, just really curious, was it always that way or in, in a few years ago or a few decades ago, was that different for us? I, I just wonder, what do you think? Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, when did it get so bad? So I, a few thoughts about that. So number one, I, I wonder if the uh, multiple factors have been leading us to this position. Let's just take for an example around the time of the Second World War and prior to that period or or even also including the First World War I think prior to both of these there was a certain more fixed set of social attitudes and not only about what the kind of things people would say but the kind of people uh, things people would think and what was possible I think many of these were disrupted by by both of the wars and and led people to questioning norms and I think there have been certain factors that have led us towards more of a group think that this is this is how we say things this is how we do things that didn't emphasize the individual and you know so I suppose another way of putting it is is that we seem to be on this path towards more individualism. And this is in conflict with potentially with with ideas of what is for the greater good. I suppose those are two big tensions that we've had for a while and continue to have. It's like, what should we focus on what's right for the individual or should we do what's good for everybody? And I know, for example, in some cases, people that are afraid to say what they really think feel that maybe it's like a conflict between oh if I say this it will offend other people so they're they're perhaps emphasizing what is for the greater good rather than what is for my good now for me I would challenge that framing because that framing has a very what I would describe as a zero-sum game mentality which is basically you can either do this or this so either I I'm selfish or I have my own interest or uh, I sacrifice my own sort of selfish needs for the greater good, whatever that is. In this case, we're talking about um, freedom of speech. So, so I would challenge that framing because I, I think by doing what is right for each individual, that leads to what is good for society as a whole. So that's my challenge to that framing. But obviously, uh, people still hold the other framing, and I respect that. But that's. But that is why um, I think it's interesting when you when you maybe are discussing something with somebody that has that different framing, then uh, a mere expression of your 
personal view that may be challenging or a bit offensive or is it's 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 more than it's more than just the difficulty of accepting that it's the fact that from their point of view maybe sometimes that you've put your interests ahead of theirs and whereas from my framing I I, I don't have that framing I, I I think I serve you and myself and everybody better by telling you who I really am and what I really feel rather than pretending to be something I'm not. I don't feel that that serves other people or, or, or myself, but that is an interesting point of clash from my perspective that I've sort of found about, well, the t it's almost like the t not just what you say, it's the terms of, it's the, it's the terms of the discussion and debate that are in contention as much as what is said, I, I feel, so. Absolutely love that. I'm just receiving that. That's beautifully put, by the way. I really acknowledge your, your framing of the frame. I love the way that you've clearly, beautifully placed each item on the table and you've really created a great distinction. So I'm going to replay that distinction. I think this is very, very important. Please, listener, if you take anything away from today, this is crucial. So one thing is two different perspectives of sharing, of me sharing. I'm a human being and I live uniquely within society, within my environment. Okay, that's my present reality. I can communicate from one point of view, which is my unique individual experience, right? Or another point of view and framing is I communicate from the perspective of the greater good or the community, okay, which in psychology, as you so rightly say, is called groupthink, or it can be described as the collective. And so the, the, the crucial thing about that is if I am very, very aware and careful to communicate in such a way that serves the community and the greater good, but... I put myself to the detriment of that. So if I say, yes, 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 and agreeing to something that I don't personally agree to, just to give you an example, but it's for the greater good and it's for the collective and it's what everybody's saying and doing, so I'd better go with that. Well, then my individual point of view and my own truth is, uh, is not known. Mm. So what Pranath is saying here and you let me know if I've understood this correctly or not is well you prefer and I do myself me Maria I would rather be honest and specific this is my unique point of view because in sharing my unique authentic experience and myself I am serving you the other listener but I'm also serving the group because myself as an individual have a unique perspective. I believe mm. everybody has a unique perspective. Mm. Now I'm going to give an experience of, so I've been working in personal empowerment for 28 years in facilitation, coaching and guidance. The biggest problem that I actually see is when somebody is very slanted more so if you imagine a seesaw and they're very much more in the perspective of the community then I see a lot of 
problems in that profile because that individual will be more in in general and I observe more disconnected to their own personal point of view and therefore their needs Mm. and when a person isn't connected to their needs which come from understanding what their viewpoint is what their stance Mm. is then they may forfeit their needs or something else or the greater good for example and that's where the individual will run into trouble and will start to fall down those holes and start to create those resentments and those frustrations because when that hits the fan it can turn into a case of well why doesn't anyone understand me and where is everybody when I need them and and there can be a, a complete collision, a complete meltdown. But without that individual, and this is what's upsetting to me, it breaks my heart, they don't understand what has created that. Mm-mm-mm. But what you've said for me is actually the solution. You are an individual. You have a unique perspective. I don't know what it's like through your eyes and through your experience, and I don't know what it's like to sit in your flat in Brighton. I only know what it's like to sit in my flat here in Hove. So I've only got my own unique perspective. So that's, for me, the best place to start and to come from. Yeah, no, I, I very much share um, that sentiment. Um, uh, I could almost like um, just illustrate um, this in a, in a very simple way. So I was just um, having a conversation in this uh, Los Politicos group uh, today, and um, we were uh, talking about uh, COVID, uh, which is obviously a very, uh, you know, difficult issue. I, w- I would just note as a side note, for example, that even me and you have just slightly different perspectives on this, and yet I feel we have very, very fruitful and and very great discussions. Uh, on, on this so in in the Los Politicos group discussing this and you know different perspectives in in relation to COVID and then uh, one of the one of my friends in the group was saying um, I find this COVID thing really difficult I don't know what the right thing is to do and then my reply to her was I said oh that's really that's really interesting I hear, hear what you're saying um, my question for you is rather than uh, worrying about what the right thing to do is my question to you is what do you feel like for you is is the right thing so I haven't had an answer yet but it for me this illustrates the different perspectives about trying to find your truth and meaning out there primarily um, rather than starting from within first and I've, I've noticed that is a little bit of a another difference as well that I'm not saying that we we can't build up and understanding with others in the community. But I suppose what I'm suggesting is maybe um, it seems to me that maybe uh, a more productive way to do that is to start from um, the base. Um, uh, this might sound a bit left field, but almost just to throw in something from a philosophical point that I kind of feel is uh, relevant. So if you go back to Descartes, you know, one of the, one of the foundational Western uh, philosophers, um, when he was trying to establish for him, you know, one of the most fundamental things can exist. And he wanted to work backwards from what is the most basic thing I know is true that I can then build everything and reality based on. And 
you know, his famous quote of what he established was the most basic truth of all is, uh, so the Latin is cogito ergo sum, which is, I think, therefore I am. Right. So that was, for him, in his view, the most, the, the most basic thing that he thought, well, this, that, that I exist and my awareness of my existence seems to be the most basic thing I can then start to build everything else about the world on. So similarly, I would argue and, and, and suggest when we're thinking about, you know, uh, the world and everything going on, all, all the difficult things, I would yeah, suggest a similar approach may be helpful because it can be really hard to understand others. It can be really hard to be understood by others. But at least if we start by expressing who we are, then at least that's bringing something that is more likely to be true, at least as long as we're expressing that. Um, rather than trying to not say that and hide ourselves from others, not say who we are. Um, yeah, it, it feels to me, I would agree with Descartes, let's say, that we, we starting with ourselves as a foundation for how we build our understanding of the world is maybe a good foundation stone. So um, Impeccable, I totally agree. And I've reached the time in my life where in my, I don't need to people please in order to be accepted by, I mean, I say that, I might do that subconsciously, so I'm, I'm not completely exempt from that. But as far as I'm aware, I'd rather have somebody not like me, but I'd rather just be honest, as long as I'm being respectful. Like for me, the, the biggest thing is, to the best of my ability and awareness to be respectful to the other person and to honor myself by communicating what is true for me without forcing that onto another person mm. and from that perspective I just think take me as I come if you like me then fine if you don't okay as well mm. and it's good to qualify that because for me it's easier just to be honest and to be my authentic self with all my quirks and then if somebody doesn't uh, resonate or agree or like or if it doesn't work for them then that's really good it's actually mm. helpful because then I don't have to spend all that time and effort and heart energy emotional effort to try and make something that work that possibly wasn't ever meant to really resonate because it didn't in the first place it just mm. makes life a lot easier and then I really resonate and gel with the people that I really do, even if I have a different point of view, which I'm really glad you said. We have we have conversations that are very different. And I sincerely respect you and I feel very, very respected by you. And for me, that's a real win. We don't have to agree. It's yeah. even more exciting for me when I don't agree with someone when someone doesn't agree with me, but when there's respect, that's like the, the most beautiful thing to hold. And in a way, this, this isn't a totally new idea, despite the fact that I was saying, mm. uh, I was speculating that maybe we've been moving towards a more individualistic uh, culture that maybe makes our differences more uh, apparent or challenging or fearful. Um, I don't think it's as if we're at, we're, without precedent for people of difference coexisting in harmony. I'm very mindful, for example, in, um, you know, Jerusalem and Palestine and even in Iran, you know, Jews, uh, 
Muslims, uh, Christians have lived together in, in harmony for, for long periods of time. Obviously, we're in more troubling times at the moment. But, you know, um, I think there's many historical accounts from different cultures of um, people of very different. And this is not just like intellectual beliefs. This is like difference of uh, religion and faith. And, and yet people from very different, you know, religions and faiths that have hold these to be absolute truths somehow manage to coexist with other people that have very different. So I, I, I think this, is, this doesn't have to be such a new and radical idea, but we might just need to consider that um, being different, um, very different even, is not necessarily a threat. And, and, and I don't think this is a totally new idea, but we, we might forget this at times, it seems, uh, in our current day and age. So. I think that's so important to to highlight that yes throughout the history throughout the centuries very different thought bubbles have coexisted and what could be more different possibly than different religious beliefs and they've managed to do it in the past they still manage to do it now so I like that you've said that it's not such a a new thing and then perhaps what is that space where communication can work? Do you think that mm. could be the question? Hmm. I or mean, it's available. Yeah. So, 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 do you mean like what kind of circumstances can lead to that more? Um, I'm reluctant to say harmony, but more because um, harmony implies unanimity, and and it's quite, I'm exactly. actually saying quite quite the opposite. It's not so much yes. about harmony; it's more about um, coexistence. I'd put it like that, yeah. really. Um, um, so, what kind of factors might lead to better coexistence? And and um, I suppose for me, um, some kind of how can I put it, uh, relativistic sentiment. I think can be helpful. So I'm not saying to be a total relativist, but for example, like uh, those Christian Jews and Muslims that coexisted together in, in the same cities, uh, I assume that many of them uh, absolutely believed in their faith. So, so in that sense that they weren't, they weren't relativists about everything, but they were relativist enough to be able to conceive of their neighbours that having a different faith and that that being okay and not needing to lead to stress conflicts. I think one can have absolutist views and beliefs, but it's more about a matter of when you bring them to the table with others that also have their absolutist views, then how do we, how do we have an exchange? So something I, I have to admit I do find very challenging is when people bring their absolutist beliefs. I mean, we all have them, I think, um, but when people bring their absolutist beliefs to the table and then say, I must comply with them, that is very triggering for me because I feel both practically and philosophically, I don't agree with that. I don't agree to be subjected to the rules of others that I've not consented to. I'm happy to come to the table and sort of say, this is where I'm coming from and I'm really happy to listen to where somebody else is coming from but I, I 
something I do find challenging is, is when someone feels that, that they can control the frame of, in which I express my beliefs or attitudes. As I was saying, there's, there's the debate about what, but there's also the debate about how. And I think that the debate about how is often missed because quite often the debate about how is framed in terms of you can't say that, you shouldn't say that. And for me, what's going on there is they're expressing a sense of what their rules are and what's right, right. for them. But right. what I challenge there is their application of those to me. Nice. Yeah. I'm happy that they have them. I'm happy that they hold them. I'm really happy that they would like me to. But what's missing, I often find, is when people say to you, you should or you shouldn't, is for me, that lacks consent. Mm. For me, that doesn't say, I believe this is a good way to go about things. Would you be willing to comply? And then I have a choice about, like, well, actually, yes or no, as opposed to you should or shouldn't. For me... Yeah. does not sound like my consent has been uh, uh, considered or is of any interest, actually. Um, and I simply must do X, Y, Z. And so I'm very, very resistant to people saying shoulds and shouldn'ts uh, because I feel fundamental. For me, I feel that's a fundamental lack of respect for um, yeah, other, uh, another human being. So, so definitely I, I find that challenging. My experience is I do find many people that feel entitled say that and paradoxically I accept their right to say that because I don't want to I don't want to say to them oh you can't say you should or shouldn't that's not what I'm saying but all I can say is from my point of view if someone was to say to me should or shouldn't uh, for me that's less likely to lead to a productive conversation if I put it that way because I because I I I feel like ah actually yeah I'm different on this as well and then so, you know, there's just more difference. And maybe that's the truth. Maybe that is the truth. And, and um, but, um, I'm just trying to, I suppose, um, you know, we all have areas that we find difficult. And that is one area I find difficult is, is that when, when I, from my perception, people are trying to set the terms of discussion, let alone what is discussed, and assume that I will comply with theirs when actually I haven't uh, agreed to that. So, um, and I, it's all, I feel done, done very, um, how can I put it, unconsciously or in an underhand way, because it's not, they don't actually say, uh, do you agree with this? They just sort yeah. of say, this is how it is. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, 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 <laughs> I resist that a bit. <laughs> so well, well, I don't really tend to comply. <laughs> well, I, I'm with you. I resist it wholeheartedly, 100%. So... When I just heard you sharing about this is really, really good distinction. So it's there's two elements to the communication. There's the what and there's the how. I thought that was really, really ingenious. So the how I then went on to hear was what are the um, the rules, the exactly. terms and conditions? What's the frame that this the elements, the what is being put into so if you imagine the how is the container what are the properties of that container and then what's inside what goes inside is the what so as I was listening I imagined that person that was shoulding you 
was you, do you remember the hula hoops when we're kids and doing mm. the, the hula hoops or the people that do them on the seafront? So if someone's going, you should da 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 pranatha, right? So I'm imagining that person is putting their frame, their map yes. of the world, their rules over yes. your head yes. and hooping you into their context. That's how they do it. Mm. And you, that challenges you in my perspective, and it it not only challenges me, it it um it incredibly um it, it actually infuriates me because I consider it very disrespectful and unconscious thing to do. Mm. Is what it's doing is it's it's not giving you the choice. It's just telling you you should da da da, which in my opinion is one of the most violent words in the language for me is should. Mm. Because yeah, yeah. no, no, you shouldn't. You can ask, you can ask me, but don't tell me what I should do. You can invite me to consider something. So absolutely, mm. everything is on a consent basis. And I think that's really, really important. Mm. And if I get triggered by something, and the one thing that triggers me above all else, and it's one of the main elements on my clear communication compass, which is my conscious communication system, Mm. one of the principal pillars is understanding assumptions yes and how they're issued how they're used to manipulate whether consciously or unconsciously and how mm. when I respect you I will not put my hula hoop over your head and make you do it my way I will mm. ask you would you be willing to do this yes or no would you like to have a conversation about this? Have mm. you got, is now a good time or is, or when would be a good time? That's, mm. that's what the opposite sounds like. That's respect and that's giving you choice and that's giving you space, acknowledging mm. that you're an individual and giving you space rather than taking up all your space and oxygen almost and going, no, it's just my way. Mm. And of course, that's very similar to childhood and the way that I have been educated. It's like this. You have to do this. You have to get up in the morning, go to school, do all these things. You've got no choice. You just mm. go along this little chug, chug, chug pathway. And then you go to college and then you do this. And blah, blah, blah. So I can understand where it comes from. But now as a conscious adult or a conscious cat, I call mm -hmm. myself, or this, this ideology, it's all about choice. And that's where the gorgeous, beautiful light of respect is, has always been. And the art mm. of communication really, really simply, and this is really key, is how to offer respect and how to, how to see that, how to acknowledge it and how to understand when it's not there and why that's triggering. And that's really, really annoying because I get infuriated when people Ooh. make assumptions absolutely don't like being disrespected and if I did I'd worry but it's quite odd in a way because I um I mean my understanding so this is another belief that I have is is that human beings have a tendency to think that other people are like them so that they have similar values and you know if we if you just held that as a hypothesis and just had a look at what people are doing and that the trouble we seem to get into each other I would say uh, quite a bit of that comes from the shock and disbelief uh, uh, that people might think a bit differently or do something a bit differently or think 
cleaning means something very different. You know, we're all, if, if people just accepted that, oh, fundamentally, maybe we, we are, you know, we have differences, um, then it wouldn't be such a shock. But what I notice <laughs> is that people are, are you know, repeatedly shocked. Mm. By the, and I think it comes from an assumption that we're basically the same and and uh, and maybe some difficulty in accepting that this isn't the case, which is kind of curious because this, this also then connects to some other things, which is like this whole thing about um, things that seem to contribute with not accepting ourselves um, as opposed to starting with a Descartian point of view where we're going to start with ourselves and, and build upwards on based on that. Um, however imperfectly but um, by by the way another thing that came to mind about um, a a more subtle way um, than one you know somebody saying you should or shouldn't do that which is feels much more overt type of Mm. controlling Um, Mm -hmm. and I picked this up again from some of my esteemed colleagues in my uh, lost political debating group Um, and uh, and I noticed somebody was saying in terms of rather than should or shouldn't that uh, she was saying, oh, well, you you could do it this way. Um, now, that's quite interesting because, you know, it isn't sort of saying should. That's that's true. Um, but and it is, I suppose, um, laying out it, you know, as a possibility. Um, but obviously it is like for me, what's infuriating about that is um presenting what is suggested is some just abstract theoretical thing and what I feel is really being said is I would like you to xyz um and I notice it's almost like uh and I I remember questioning and sort of saying but this feels very odd you're sort of talking in the abstract about I could I mean yes I could do this or I could do that yes but what really matters I mean doesn't really matter does it surely what really matters is you would like to communicate what you feel. But I, but I noticed in yeah, this particular person I'm thinking of, there's a real reluctance to own what, what she was saying and say, I would like this, I feel this. It was very much more in terms of, oh, this is this and this is this, as, uh, which I thought was a bit odd because I said, well, yeah, I mean, but then equally there are other things out there. What, why should we prefer one of these than the other? And what I felt was really being communicated there was, well, because I feel this is, and that's totally legitimate. And I would totally accept that even if I would disagree, but was, what was confusing for me was a bit like, um, right, so Maria, uh, I'm going to take you out for a treat. I'm going to get an ice cream van and they've got all these different flavors, right? You, you know, and, and I say to you, I said, well, you know what, Maria, you know, you could have the chocolate, uh, yeah, you're going to say chocolate. Right? Yeah. Now that's interesting because it's like, yes. Isn't it? You know there are other flavours. Yeah. But obviously I'm trying to bias you because I think the mint chocolate is better, right? But what I'm not doing there is I'm not owning it. I'm not yeah. saying, hey, Marie, you know what? I think you should have the chocolate because I think that will be really good. And then that's all very, for me, transparent about the motivation. Right. As opposed to if I say, you know, you could have it as, as if there's some mysterious reason why you should have the chocolate and mint. There's nothing to do with me at all. And yeah, obviously yeah, 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 yeah. To do with me. It's a, you know, for me, that was, I find that very frustrating as a, as a kind of like a lack of owning. Yeah. Again, this is totally from my perception. And you know, yeah. maybe I've misinterpreted this 
from this person wrong but from my perception when I yeah. feel like somebody is saying oh you could do this yes it, yeah, it's yeah. not like saying you should or shouldn't do x or y or z but it feels like it's just a more subtle way of influencing and trying to manipulate for me anyway so yeah. and I would just rather somebody says hey I'd really like you to do this yeah because I want you to do this that's because that's I because right. I want it yeah and, and it's like right. oh yeah I understand why you want me to do this and I understand why you're talking about it because it's mm-hmm. important to you as opposed to oh well maybe it's just out there as an option so like, mm-hmm. yeah, nothing's just out there as an option if you're talking about it so yeah. <laughs> love that. Love that. I love that. It's for me, that kind of presentation is I'm not taking responsibility for what I want. Instead, I'm going to offer it to you as a question or as an offer or as a statement to you as a surrogate mm. for what I want. Yeah, so yeah, I'm batting the tennis ball of communication back into your court. I'm yeah. saying, well, you could buy this thing today, or you could uh, go to the cinema, do something, do this thing. Mm. But then, in order to to clean that one up, I've just got the most gorgeous pattern interruption to that oh, that just great. brings <laughs> that uh, that down the line winner home would oh, you yeah. like to know what it is yes please because is, I'll, get, I'll get to use it <laughs> it is gorgeous so the the genius rules of of clear communication is to send the ball back so that sounds simply like this what makes you say that I'm really oh, curious yes. what makes you ask that what makes you suggest that in particular what makes you suggest so then I'm mirroring back the suggestion that's been given to me potentially I'm not suggesting this is what's happening this is my my wondering as a Mm. surrogacy for something that I feel that actually you want like for for example in the past by a certain individual I've always been offered donuts I've never liked donuts the thought (laughs) of them makes me sick but that person always offered me donuts and I know for a fact that that person loves donuts so just as that as an example so instead well what makes you offer me donuts in this moment and then Mm. they've not got much of a wiggle room but to say well because I really fancy some would you like some and then Mm. ultimately we might be getting closer to the transparent what's the real card that's being put on the table Mm. a little bit absolutely no that's great I'm going to clarity um... tool it's a yeah, it, it's a and it's an invitation as well, which is is what you know wonderful. I mean, they don't have to comply if they don't want to, but it's they an don't invitation. Have to play. Yeah, yeah, for, for clarity and and um, um, it also reminded me of another similar uh, situation where um, so I have an Asian heritage and and I find this infuriating uh, when <laughs> I was a child growing up. Brilliant. So now this is just my personal experience, but literally every Sri Lankan family house that I went to or including my relatives that have known me for most of my life right yeah, and, yeah. and my parents who kind of also known me you know quite a long time they would they, I always found that there was an ongoing offer for tea right like <laughs> would you like a cup of tea right now I hate tea I oh, really hate it I amazing. really hate it right I've never seen and you so, drink a cup of tea 
every time the answer is no all right oh but I they love keep it. asking okay. they keep asking and and it's like but would you and not more and more than just once like me saying I didn't want one was yeah. not uh, apparently a, a sufficient answer because they yeah. kept as if as if I'd made a mistake is it as if I <laughs> now I know what's behind this because it, there's this whole thing about not just Asian people obviously but um mm. definitely within that you know there's this big tea drinking thing that a lot mm. of people drink tea I get that right mm. but it's like are you going to say well everybody drinks tea therefore you must drink tea is that what you're really saying because that's this is going to be a bit of a waste of time because I'm not you know I was a, a bit of a stubborn little kid so that intrigues me because when you break down what is said as opposed to what yeah, yeah, is yeah. meant yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. very different so yeah, yeah. that what is said uh, was would you like a cup of tea and I answered that honestly and said no I don't but then they kept asking and that also reminds me again of a similar situation when when somebody asks you for something, you give a clear answer, but then they mm. keep asking. Mm. I feel this is also quite indicative because it's like if you've given the clear answer for the information, mm. whatever that is. Now, I mean, this goes into many, many areas, whether it's, you know, gender relations, consent, all these things mm-hmm. where, where somebody asks something, would you like X, Y, Z? And they say clearly yes or no. Mm-hmm. Are people not accepting that? Mm-hmm you know, then it's, mm. I think that's interesting to explore because if, if a clear answer has been given mm. and it is not accepted, then that's puzzling, isn't it? It's like, but I would suggest the, some answers to this puzzle is that what is said is not actually what is meant. Yeah. You know, what, what may be sent, I'm not saying in all cases, but sometimes when people are asking you something, mm. what they really mean is I would like you to yeah xyz and then when you don't give them the answer they prefer yeah that might explain why they keep asking you because they want you to give you the answer that they want so I just I'm not saying this is always the case I'm just saying sometimes what people say is not what they mean and I'm just further arguing for people to please say what you really mean rather than not what you mean because it will make the world a less confusing place please world please world I ask you with my hands to my heart please say what you mean and please do what you say you're gonna do (laughs) I mean of course paradoxically while we can ask for this the world doesn't have to comply and I totally respect that you know but I'm asking it's a wonderful opportunity on your podcast yeah I have never really spoken to the world this way and I'm asking I love that (laughs) I love that I'm just gonna replay that world in case you didn't catch that my mate Pranav is asking you, world, say what you mean, because if you do, the world will be a better place. And I have to wholeheartedly agree with that. And with that, I just think that coins with a big gold coin of high super value with a diamond on top, the value that that you've given here today to me and to the listener it is my intention of you've really crystallized you've detailed you've distinguished you've framed and put things into gorgeous simple to understand categories 
of things that work and things that would be made even better, room for improvement, and how with a simple tweak of just, for example, I invite you to say what you mean and speak honestly because I really care about that because I care about you, I see you as an individual, and I'm interested in your point of view, because that's why I'm having a conversation with you. These things would make the world a much better place, and it's okay to have a different point of view. And even if we do, can we treat each other with respect as human beings and enjoy that dance, enjoy that that game, I believe? that we can let's let's uh, keep working towards that goal <laughs> super star thank you so much for your time today and i've just loved your clarity and your your detailing and your distinctions i've really enjoyed your way of seeing really thank you this thank kind you of so thing much. does it for me like you have no idea i love this kind of thing Thank you. And, I, and, I, and I really appreciate us being able to share the kind of thing me and you personally talk about quite often yeah, and more, yeah. more widely. And um, yeah, it's uh, literally very much in, in the spirit of, of if any listeners uh, may agree or disagree, you know, for me, I, I welcome it all. And I just hope I hope this might promote some interesting thoughts about this uh, area in the in the world where we we struggle to communicate and that's that's my hope that um, not everyone will necessarily agree with what we've been discussing but that it might you know provoke some thoughts and and about Mm. you know what might be best some better ways to do it absolutely thank you so much thank you If you would absolutely love to communicate with even more power, respect and authenticity, then go to my website, mariaadriana.co.uk and access your free training.